Today's show is being brought to you by contributors at Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash the education game to support the show and thanks. Hey gamers, this is Matt and today we've got a great interview, one that continues our efforts to help you learn how to become your child's head coach. Now remember, it is your job to actively build and execute your child's learning plan. Why? Because your child's school can't do it. They won't do it. School was built for a completely different time, a time when grades were more important than actual learning, when what you knew mattered, but not what you could do with what you know. That matters now. So these podcasts are meant to create nausea in the listeners, particularly the parents who watch their child take state-mandated tests and assignments. You should feel nauseous because that means your child's school is preparing you for 1985 and not 2035, where curiosity, creativity, problem-solving, and character are going to matter so much more than ever before. So with that happy introduction, let's get into our podcast. This is Matt with The Education Game. Hey, welcome to another edition of The Education Game. This is Matt Barnes, and I have an amazing woman that I met through the power of technology. Uh, LinkedIn brought us together, but I guess it was also, um, we're both writing a book, and so this will be something we'll talk about in a moment. Um, And so bringing in Amanda. How are you, Amanda? I'm great. How are you? Very well. And so, Amanda, help me pronounce your last name. Pressgraves. It is Pressgraves. Okay, great. Amanda mm-hmm. Pressgraves. Um, so briefly, she and I uh, uh, are, are going through this process of writing a book together. And when we broke out into the small group conversation, um, she was telling me about herself. I'm like, that's an interesting woman. <laughs> and I said, you know, and you also shared a little bit about your story. And, and um, I'm like, parents need to hear this. So Amanda, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. And where, what part of the world are you in? So I'm in Harrisonburg, Virginia. It's like two hours south of D.C. So okay. many people might like know of the area by it's near the Shenandoah National Park. And so it's in okay. the heart of the valley. There's a lot of fun here in terms of like getting out into nature and hiking and biking and running. And um, the people are great. That's right. And you're a big fitness person. I am. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I think it's just a lifetime of experiences in sports and athletics, and it's evolved into just how how I structure my day and mm-hmm. my community, mm-hmm. and and that's what makes living in here so special yeah. because it, it is so accessible to get outside and nice. enjoy it with other people. Yeah, it's great. Well, and you're outside now as well for the folks on the yeah. podcast. They it, don't realize. It, <laughs> yeah, well, okay. So, I mean, it's right now it's March, early March in Harrisonburg, Virginia. So, like last week it was snowing. And if it's going to be 70, I'm going to sit outside and enjoy right. every second of it that I can. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And and so, you know, um, Amanda, to kind of frame this a little bit, um, I know that you had some challenges in your educational experience. We mm-hmm. want to get into that because, again, a lot of parents are, are seeing their kids struggling, uh, have seen them struggle for years, but haven't realized that there may be some solutions that may not have been explored. And so Amanda, I think, has... Has has found some some solutions that uh, that again school it makes it really hard for school to actually mm-hmm. uh, to support. But um, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, before we get to that, so my son is going to be going to UVA next year. Oh, right down the street, it's like yeah. forty five minutes from me. Okay, and I've got a f- another friend who is 
is a head coach at Longwood. Yeah, Longwood yeah, University, not too far. which is not far from me. So we'll we'll be in the area at some point. So we need to go go for a jog together. Although yeah. you'll run me into the ground, I'm sure. So. Not true. Not true. Totally, <laughs> let me know. All right. So yesterday, last night, we we interviewed a young man, dropped out of school in second grade. <laughs> wow. Uh, with his parents' permission, right? And 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 went back briefly in eighth grade, and then left again, uh, and then never stepped foot in a traditional. You know, traditional classroom again. He said by his own admission, he would have been labeled ADHD. Um, mm. His mom said, yes, he would absolutely have been labeled mm. ADHD. They were able to do a bunch of experiments to kind of find out how to get that under control. Now, long story short, this kid is on his way to Harvard University next year and having mm. having stepped foot in a classroom just, you know, for a few months out of an entire out of entire mm-hmm. educational career. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So tell me Wait, now. He did, did he actually physically step into a classroom this year? Like, what an interesting, you know, bizarre time to attend school for the first time. In no, life, no, he, no. I'm saying he 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 was he went to first grade and, and part of second grade and then part of eighth grade and that was his that was his ex- educational experience and now wow. you know he's at Harvard uh, or, or going to Harvard this upcoming fall. So, okay, great. Yeah. So so Amanda, tell me a little bit about your early academic struggle. You you talk about a little bit in your upcoming book. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, do you have a name for that book yet? Yeah, it, it's called the non-recipe book. The non-recipe and I'm book. Sure we'll, we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit. Cool. But I, no, I first wanted to just say, I really like how you use the language labeled, hmm. um, like labeled ADHD, because like too often um, that when you say, when you're addressing it as a label, you're saying, hey, this is not your identity. Oh. Um, you don't need to be attached to this. Yes. And I think that's so important that like, perhaps he didn't even get like official paperwork there, but like, what's it matter if you have, an, I just think it's not healthy to have the attachment to it in the first place. And so I, could I not appreciate agree more. the language around that. Yeah, no. I appreciate the language around that. Um, so yeah, my experiences um, with that, um, you know, they started super young. And I, I, I guess I was, I was labeled as that for so long, which mm. is why I appreciate the language you were using because I grew up uh, feeling like that, that was my identity. Mm. And in school, that was not very beneficial identity to have because oh, sure. it felt like if teachers already knew that about me, everything I did would be perceived as falling into the category of hyperactive or not paying attention or just being because of like some disability that I had. Yes. Whereas if like if a, a label wasn't attached to it, it would be seen as creative or right. entrepreneurial. Rambunctious. Or, like, I know. And it's like this attractive, like beautiful, like quality. Um, and so I found so many times within the schooling system that it was used against me. And Mm. so I didn't ever like really want to share those aspects of myself. But what I found to be really funny as I've gotten older are those qualities that, um, I felt ashamed for when I was younger are the qualities that people seem to praise in, in the business world, um, being able to show up with energy and have creative ideas and push the needle (laughs) or like in the sports world, it's like always coming with enthusiasm and passion for the sport and like being a strong leader. Um, and it's funny because in the kitchen and like what I write about in my book with, with doing a lot of work and food it's allowed me to be super creative yeah and like think a little bit differently and about my approach to food and so i've begun to and it started when i was younger but really involved myself in those activities where i saw myself thriving and and my personality was um 
was appreciated yeah. in those yeah. environments. Well, you sent me a, an excerpt from your book, and it says, for a long time, I felt shame. Shame to show up with energy, to be inquisitive, shame for caring, shame for my passion, the ideas I wanted to share, and shame for being excited, right? So can you... I, I It's hard to imagine how difficult that would have been, but all those things you described, as you said, those are positives, right? Those are attractive yeah. qualities that we want kids to have, certainly into adulthood, uh, but the school system really kind of beats it out of people, so. Yeah, and, it, and it's so weird, because like right before I share that passage, I think I share that um, it's funny, because I, the whole time I knew those were really awesome things that I possessed, and I don't yeah. know why, I, I kept telling myself, hey, you got to hold on to these. You cannot lose this. Like, huh. this is really important. Because I you mean, knew that back maybe then, I, huh? I did know it. And my dad has very similar personality traits and uh, character. Yes, and yes. so he definitely influenced me. And like, he knew it was hard. And he was like, I, I struggled in school too. But like, and I looked up to him and I found other people I looked up to. And I think maybe that helped. But for some reason, I knew I never wanted to lose those aspects of me. Right. And I think what's so painful is that a lot of time like so I've done a lot of coaching in sports and I work with kids and I love working and like developing athletes and kids and what's come into actually working with adults and I think it's because um, I don't ever want someone to feel that same pain or like to lose those important parts of themselves mm. like I felt we're trying that was trying to happen to me and thankfully didn't happen yeah. but that does too often in school and it makes me so sad to see a lot of kids discouraged by that and, and those are the people that like come in and like create and invent amazing things and show up with the energy in the workplaces that we love and so like why are we discouraging that when they're so young i don't know and that's what's so painful well that's a conversation that i have on the show a lot about why <laughs> We are discouraging that, and it's all about yeah. making the adults more comfortable. But so tell me now, let's move forward because that was your experience in was it mm -hmm. early education, middle school, kindergarten, kindergarten. Okay, so at what point did you realize that these uh, things that people labeled as bad were actually strengths that you could actually take those and do something with them to to break the mold, so to speak? Very, very early on in sports. So oh, okay. I started competing as a, a competitive swimmer year round uh, in I've, kindergarten. I've got so, one of those in my home. Like, oh, so you yeah. know all about that. And if you want your kid to get their energy out, swimming is the best sport for that. Oh my gosh. I tell <laughs> and you, the parents, I'm sure, waking what? up at 4 a.m. for some practices. Well, that's a whole other conversation. I won't mention that part. But for parents, oh, yeah. for parents that don't know what swimming is like. So we had three swimmers for a while. And then oh, cool. two. Uh, and then my son got busy with other stuff. But um, now just one who's very interested. There is no better fitness than a swimmer. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and these mm -hmm. kids are strong and they, they can run, they can do everything now. But, uh, so for parents that are trying to make sure your children are fit, boy, I tell you, I would mm -hmm. encourage swimming, not, I yeah, would encourage I, the four o'clock uh, AM practices, but any, everything else is great. I mean, I could talk about being how important swimming is for like water safety and the team environment yes. and, um, just like doing sports and experimenting and in, in different athletics. But um, yeah, very early on, my parents were like, we need to get you into an activity where your energy can come out. And I, I've always loved swimming. Like when I was a little kid, I loved being in the water. And so that never changed. I still like I, yesterday morning, I swam like I, I still love swimming so much. And now I do triathlons and continue training because I realized that's what I need to keep doing. 
for yes. myself and for yes. my sanity and for me to be my best self. So, but, hold, so hold, early on, hold, I did that. Okay. I'm going to pause you again because now you just described your mom recognizing you got a daughter with a ton of energy. Mm-hmm. And so what we could do is we could medicate her or we could, yep. you know, browbeat her. Um, mm-hmm. which was generally how I started to react when my mm-hmm. kids were like that. Or we could do something that actually takes that energy and channels it, and they chose yeah. swimming. So kudos to your mom. Continue your story. Yeah, kudos to both my parents for realizing that and and putting all of like my siblings. I have three younger brothers. They put us all in sports, and we, we love – like that was just our area of like getting our energy out and making friends and like yeah. developing our self-efficacy and leadership and a lot of great qualities that I think – sports are essential for Mm. but yeah so early on i was training a couple hours a day and that certainly helped channel my energy into productive outlets and and talking about the different um ways of channeling ourselves you know you can medicate someone um and suppress their energy you can put them into sports or finding something they're passionate about maybe it's learning something could be it could be music Mm -hmm. it's different for everyone um but that's not to say my parents they did medicate me Mm-hmm. And they medicated me. I stopped medicine cold turkey when I graduated graduate school um, mm. a handful of years ago. And um, I mean, that's a whole nother aspect to unpack was the impact of medication on me, because I remember that from when I was so young, how it made me feel a certain way. Can we, and pause, I wouldn't can yeah, we talk yeah. about that if you're comfortable? Yeah. yeah how did yeah. it make you feel? So this was really hard because my parents, I mean, to quote them, they were trying their hardest Sure. and they always say they're like, we didn't know what else to do because we were worried you wouldn't finish school. If, and like you would not, you would get into trouble. They're worried Mm. I'd get into trouble, make impulsive decisions. And it's funny because it, because every, all my actions were labeled as impulsive at the time, it really disconnected me from what's impulse and what's gut reaction as I got older. And so Hmm. I had to relearn that as an adult and be like, is this me being impulsive or is this my gut telling me I needed to go this direction? Hmm. And, and medication immediately from a young age taught me that um, I was something that needed to be fixed. Hmm. And, and I, and I hated that. I hated knowing that I couldn't handle myself without a pill. Yeah. And you had to take it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And, and, and I mean, a lot of your, these parents listening will know that there's lots of different kinds of medications and they have really strange effects on kids. So mm-hmm. depression, um, loss of appetite. Uh, so as we sort of experimented with different medications, you can like go back and read my like report cards and be like, Amanda is not eating or Amanda is not talking. And so it's so sad to see that that kind of impact was like being had and i was sort of like this experiment at the time yeah yeah well, and, and that's have kids? really hard i don't okay. yeah i don't have so, kids and so it's interesting like navigating this and i'm never going to tell someone what they should do because of course i'm not in that position myself uh, of course and i don't mean to suggest for a moment that you know there are good or bad parents every parent's trying to figure it out right and every parent is ultimately experimenting because they don't know mm-hmm. every child's right. different. So they don't know they're just doing their best now. But mm-hmm. I want to ask you, um, so through this time, you could tell that this, these, the meds were, were affecting you in, in different ways and you were yeah. in a traditionally structured school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Public school. Did your parents ever consider something non-traditional? So I have, because we have a large family and both my parents worked, uh-huh. I don't yeah. think that was an option. And yeah. I love what you said, how all these parents are trying their best because 
my like I have these conversations with my parents now and they were like this is what we would do the things differently but like of at course. the time we didn't know like of course we didn't yeah. have the money we didn't have the resources we didn't have the knowledge to know that there was another way sure actually I almost skipped a grade in school because it was just like not stimulating enough mm. and and they were like well maybe we need to bump you up my parents were like for social reasons like let's keep her with kids her age but um there were always these challenges um, within yeah. school yeah and and what really helped was like having teachers that understood that and and i'll never forget my third grade teacher our first day of class he goes all right so school's gonna look a little bit different this year guys um i don't has anyone here ever heard of adhd and i like locked eyes and it was like someone else knows what this is yeah and and he goes i have adhd and i could not function within a normal classroom setting and so a lot of our classroom what? is going to be structured around activity Ugh. um interaction leadership and we would have recess for a couple hours a day i oh. mean it was truly how i believe we need to be as kids so, and just like yeah yes how so that is really do you by any chance have his name could i or, yeah, or contact i do it? and i've emailed him after grad school to be like hey I just like want to let you know like what an impact you've made on me his uh, name was mr jacobson um jeffrey he, jacobson i would love to interview him if that's yeah, if you could I, help me connect with that. i would like to that that'd yes. be really cool yeah, yeah that'd be amazing because here's the thing right so i i have i have heard so many stories from uh, folks who have really, parents who have really said, I'm going to do my best with my child, which means in their mind to stick in the, in the educational model that I grew mm -hmm. up as, as, as a child, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and th that's blown up because there's so many now, there's so many other ways that actually uh, uh, even working, dual working parents, I've seen it structured where they wow. can have a very different learning environment for their child. Yes, it requires labor. Yes, it requires adjustment. But, you know, the idea of school, many argue school in itself is actually um, unhealthy, right? Six, seven, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, 12-year-olds who are asked to sit in a desk for long periods of time, that's not healthy. There's nothing in our, in our history as a species that, that, that prepares our, our body for that. Kids were always out moving around. Yep. Right. So in some ways, the kids who are able to sit are actually odd. Right. That those are the right. kids that are a little weird in some ways. Right. So, Matt, you didn't you study public health? I did. Yeah. So I also studied health sciences. Oh, OK. Um, and I think it's our our lens of looking at things yeah. that allows us to see that in no way is this productive or beneficial to society That's by right. us learning to sit still all day Oof. it's like we're retraining our our species to be like you sh do you want to die early and yeah. like train yourself to sit all day right. that's what you're doing <laughs> like, and, this is getting us yeah it's ridiculous and nowhere and i structure it now i know i don't sit at a desk long at all like that's why i'm outside right now yeah like yeah. in my work day i can't have that for myself yeah there's a great ted talk that talks about how um sitting is more dangerous than smoking i think is how he describes it uh and yet yeah. we're asking kids and adults to sit all right so uh give me a second we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back okay. with amanda uh pressgraves i said it correctly uh and we're talking about her learning journey and we'll be back in a moment this is the education game 
Okay, we're back with Amanda Pressgraves, who is a young woman who is writing a book, who, who has had an unusual learning experience. Um, she was labeled ADHD. She had to struggle with some of those dynamics. Um, but sports was one of these areas that caused her to have a lifeline during those years. And so swimming was one of the big ones. Sounds like you're there with your dog as well, Amanda. Um, I was just wondering if you could hear me because... They just so conveniently decided to fill up our gas tank outside right now. <laughs> it's so all good. If, it, if it's a little noisy, let me know. I'll step inside. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, there's only two people listening, my mom and my, my father. So that's all. That's, so no Isn't problem. Isn't that how it works? I feel like my mom's always the first person to come and be like, yes, girl. Like, that's right. can't wait. That's right. <laughs> it's like audience one. Exactly. No, it's all good. So let's keep going. So tell me more about your so your journey, that, that third grade instructor so powerful. Mr. What was his name again? Mr. Jacobson. Mr. Jacobson. Yes. Who said, I'm going to actually buck convention and I'm actually going to do what's healthy for the kids and not what is healthy necessarily. I mean, Mm -hmm. he may be, he may have been dinged by his his superiors. Um, certainly the school, um, infrastructure always says (laughs) if children aren't doing well, then that means we need to do more in the classroom, we need to do more right. uh, academic work, not less. And he said the opposite. So, so then after that point, did you start to, did you have other teachers that kind of helped you? Yeah, I yeah. did. And like the thing is, so when we talk about like me doing sports and excelling in that realm, that was really important for me. And I think that is crucial for a lot of kids to find activities and, and, and areas where they feel like they're excelling and building self-efficacy. And I know you talk about that a lot. Um, but so I held on to that and I really found that in sports and use that as an outlet for learning and for, uh, building friendships and being a leader. And so I, I, I needed that because school really wasn't the place where I was appreciated for my energy. Like I would have teachers that would be like, stop raising your hand. Like you raised your hand too many too times, much. Amanda, like you need to give other people the chances to talk. And like, that was so hurtful to like feel suppressed like that. And, um, and so I never like, I never won any like best student, like student of the week, like, you know, student of the year. I never got any of those sort of awards. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't until I did have one more teacher and, um, in my freshman year math and it was geometry mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. His name's Mr. Ritchie, and I meet with him every year. We Still. just met over Thanksgiving. Yep. Fantastic. Like, he's a huge mentor of mine. And it was because our classroom was structured um, for peer learning. And so I was rewarded by the effort that I put in rather than necessarily my grades, even though my grades ended up improving because of this. So I would come in in the mornings, and he would help me. Um, he would pair people up based on their skills and their personality traits. Like, for me... I'm more willing to like communicate and talk, but like perhaps I needed to like work with another student who was a little bit different than me and yeah. I could kind of like bring some, some energy out of them or um, make them feel welcome and that I was listening to them. Hmm. And so we found a way and we would use whiteboards and like I would go up to the classroom and teach and then another student would do the same thing. And so it forced us, forced us to step up yes. and like interact with our classmates. And like that was an environment where I really thrived. I loved like supporting my classmates and feeling like we're on a team. Yeah. And so that like that also was a complete game changer. And I ended up having him in math the next year, too. And so being able to notice like this wasn't just like um, kind of like a fluke of a year like this was having two years to judge this sort of progress and 
and notice the changes in my grades and behavior. And like, I'll never forget that was like the first time I also got it like an award in school. Hmm. And it was like, wow, perhaps it was just the environment that wasn't good for me. Like there's not something actually wrong with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That same year, other teachers are like yelling at me and like <laughs> thinking that I should like be held back, but so I'm you... doing it. Yeah. So you, so that was your, your laboratory of sorts where you saw that, mm -hmm. uh, that one model, it's not, it's not you, it's the model, right? So if the model yeah. changes, you can be, you can be successful. And what a, what a wonderful benefit providential maybe that you had the same mm -hmm. teacher back to back because mm -hmm. you could have absolutely yeah. gone back into another model where you're mm -hmm. in, instructed to sit, uh, and, yeah. and, and, uh, and take it in. Um, and, and I think also I felt seen. I I had a teacher who understood who I was as a person and my mm. my like like my unique qualities that I bring to the world and yeah. so it was so essential that I had that sort of that sort of figure and support system in my life. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good one. <laughs> Get your bill for your and oil. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah. And so I I think that and it's so important even like. I shared this book idea with him before I really told anyone else. And cause mm. I was like, he knew me, like he like really saw me in that setting. And, and eventually in high school, I had to switch um, high schools to the new high school is built. And I like stepped up into positions where I like never saw myself thriving in school, like being the president of my high school or um, like, uh, you know, uh, so serving these roles where I was like, I always thought that the school wasn't a place for me, but he like kind of encouraged me and was like, Hey, like you, you, this is actually a great place for you to step up and like bring your energy and your ideas. And I needed to hear that. All right. So let me pause again, because for the parents, I want to unpack some of the key concepts that she just went through. One, yeah. she was rewarded for effort, not grades. Mm -hmm. And then because she was rewarded for effort, guess what? The grades actually improved. Um, mm -hmm. I love the idea of skills pairing. When I was in graduate school, our one of our Dr. We Vernon Weckworth was his name. He would he would ask us a bunch of questions and then he would group us for you know it was all about group work. Uh, grouped us according to um, you know our birth order, our personality traits, etc. For the very reasons you're describing, so very forward mm. uh, looking um, uh, teacher. Uh, a lot about active learning, and then the last one is the importance of the relationship between the teacher and the learner. And again, my issue with school has absolutely nothing to do with teachers. It has everything to do with the system that forces teachers to not pay attention to relationship because they're so busy trying to dot all the I's and cross all the T's or else the state's going to come down on them. So he, your teacher, had the opportunity to connect with you and, mm -hmm. and look at what happens, parents. So here's a question, parent, that you want to ask uh, your child if they're in a traditional school. You want to ask them, is there a teacher who you feel like knows you and has a relationship, a connection with you? And if the answer is no, parent, you need to be concerned. If the answer is yes, then you need to feed that teacher. You need to give them presents. You need to do everything you can to keep that teacher aware because this is a long-term relationship that could be established. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's really great to hear about your, your experiences there. Um, I just got to say, like, I, I have a lot of friends who are teachers, uh, my friend's parents who are teachers yeah. and like I just see the effort and the time and the, oh, yeah. how much work they put in to build those relationships and, and I, how hard I it see is. that it's so hard and they're not rewarded for that and not so it's a school system that doesn't reward those sort of actions and these people go out of their way they're burning the candle at both ends and it's like how do we expect them to even show up 
in the first place to serve these people. And so that's yeah. frustrating to me because these are individuals, these are people that started teaching to help kids. That's right. That's and right. They that's are right. in a system that doesn't even allow that sometimes. Exactly. And and they know so it like so yeah. the system doesn't let them do what they know should yeah. be done. And like I right. talked to a number of teachers who've said, you know what, if it were up to me, the first two months mm-hmm. would just be conversation. I'd want to know wow. everything there is about them. I'd want to have a lot of interaction between, and then we will start to get into content. But without relationship, yeah. everything else is hindered. And and another thing that like I would love to talk about a little bit more too is how um, the classes in like higher education, so in the university setting, that mm-hmm. I found to be a game changer for me in the work. I don't know if is your audience mostly elementary age or do they go up into high school and college? It's really it's really parents of okay. of of, of, educa- of yeah. learners, right? So this right. is an issue that goes throughout life, frankly, because we yeah. all are learners and we're learners until we mm-hmm. are put in the ground. So what what's what are you wanting to bring up? What you saw in well, high in Kyra? Because I mean, I I so I also swim in college, and so uh-huh. another outlet that I had. Um, to you know, push myself, see myself excel, excel, and I studied exercise science. So it was also mm-hmm. a major that appreciated that sort of energy and sure, activity. Sure. Um, and all the all my professors were also like that. Like now that I live back in the town that I went to school at, uh-huh. they also like I'll bike with them, I run with them, like I see them, I'm friends with them. Nice. And uh, yeah, it is really cool, and I appreciate that a lot. Um, but one of the most beneficial ways of studying and learning that I found was through a program that James Madison University has and it's called the X Labs. And hmm. so it's a kind of like a makerspace oh. and it's a class and it's in a multidisciplinary class. And so you have students from all these different majors and they they sit at round tables. It's incredibly collaborative um, and it's project-based. And mm. so it's not book learning. You It's motivated by the student. And so you get out and learn by doing something mm-hmm. and you're it's all on the premise that like we aren't supposed to be just like reading books and like that's how we should be getting practical knowledge for the like post post school it's like how do we build relationships with people and solve problems and that was so essential yeah and And i actually ended up like creating i loved it i loved it so much i created a class um it was like yeah i started a food truck and so the food truck was run by students and all these different majors applying their ideas to make the truck function so you have a student designing it um they could be doing their menu they're running the business they're building solar panels for engineering projects yeah because that it was that important to me that there were more classes like that and it all stems from this kind of experience i had Right. So again, wow. What's the difference between an 18 year old college student and a 17 year old senior in high school? Nothing. Right. Yeah. But but we treat the 17 year old in high school like they are more like a seven year old. Uh, yeah. And so but but there's a, actually there's a school and there's a woman who I interact with on LinkedIn named uh, Lonnie. Uh, but she worked at a place called High Tech High, which the mm. whole premise of it is that it is a makerspace. And it's all it's all about learning by doing and learning through group collaborative work. Mm-hmm. And it is just like this wonderful environment. But it is it is so unbelievably rare in educational circles, despite the obvious benefits of having a bunch of kids working on things in ga- high and en- high levels of engagement. Right. That's and that's what you're describing. And don't we sort of understand ourselves better through those interactions with other people yes, too, when we right. actually get a chance to express ourselves and understand, oh, this is how I'm different. Or like, these are the skills I bring to this group. And um, 
we have no chance to understand ourselves when we're just following the directions of a book. Bingo. And that's what is yeah. so hard in yeah. the school system. That's right. That's right. So tell me now. Let's let's go ahead and how did you get to this idea of of a book? So well, well actually, before I get to that, you started a food truck, which I think is really <laughs> cool in college, and you had other students working on it. Is it still up and running? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really awesome. I mean, and it, it is truly because I was able to just find all these people that yeah. were experts in their space and, and made it happen. And it it put a lot of my passions of wanting um, to fuel people nutritionally mm -hmm. um, through the projects that they work on. I wanted people to apply their knowledge and their skills before going into the workplace. And I saw the ability to support a lot of local farms and, and vendors in the area. Nice. And so kind of bridge very all that cool together. very cool yeah. all right so here's a woman who was given finally unleashed to the world yeah. right uh and look at what she was doing so now tell oh. can can we oh is there more no 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 i, I hear think you're gonna the ask the question i was excited okay so well let me just tell you so on the note of like unleashing yeah. like my ideas um the reason it happened was because i got injured when i was in school swimming and i had double hip surgery and oh, so I was like, wow. I was couch bound for about a year um, after oh. this surgery. And I didn't have a way to express myself through sports. And I realized, and I, it was the first time in my life I've never been able to be physically active. Yeah. And so I realized I need to use that energy and like funnel it another way. And that's when I learned I can do that in business. And this is, that was when I learned, oh, wow, I can do things besides sports too. Right. I have all, ideas. Yeah, and, all the yeah. discipline, the the importance of, of seeing slow progression, mm -hmm. of setting a long-term goal and making daily right. progress, all that stuff is, is applicable in any other part of life. It is. And that's why I think sports are so important because that carries over. And I saw that directly happen when I created this business. Very, very cool. All right. So, um, and we could actually, maybe in our second conversation, we talk about <laughs> sports because- I am very yeah. critical of most coaches because for most coaches, mm -hmm. it's all about the W's. It's all about the wins and the, mm -hmm. the character development, which used to be what sports was all about. You think of John Wooden and yeah. some of these old time great coaches yeah. was oh, all okay. about character. Not anymore, it seems. But anyway, that we can go to another time. Yeah, I mean, again, I can really talk on that for a long time too. So yeah, all <laughs> we'll right. Well, maybe we'll have a separate conversation about that, or, or have you back <laughs> on the show. So let's go ahead and switch to now. How you, you know, how old are you? Twenty. I just turned twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Uh, okay. On Friday, you were writing a book. Like, uh, I, you know, when I was growing up. You had to be old and gray-haired like me to write a book. But now people are writing books uh, because they have found something that is worthy of sharing. Tell me what you are writing about because I already know, of course, but I'd like yeah. our listeners to know. Oh, my gosh. Well, I see so many younger kids writing and I I, I feel that same way that you might feel towards right. me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like right. I had like a 15-year-old message me today and I was like, I would love to talk to you. I just – I hope you're so encouraged to write this book. Like, I love that you're doing that. But okay, so my book, the non-recipe book. So it started out because I've always been really into cooking. It started out through when I was in first grade, I would always just pack my own lunch. I had a large family and I had to eat a lot through sports. And so I've always been in the kitchen and learning how to cook. And then I, st I studied nutrition in school. I um, did food business consulting. I started the food truck. So I have all these experiences in food and it's always been really easy for me to throw food together. Hmm. Um, it just has come, it felt naturally. Um, I'm able to just look at my pantry and be like, 
boom, like we're making a meal out of this. Yeah, yeah. And so people would always be like, how do you make what you make? I'm like, I don't know. Um, I just do. Yeah. And so the, I, someone would be like, can you give me the recipe? And so my boyfriend, he got me a whiteboard and was like, all right, well, you are going to write down the recipes for your book. And like, you're going to make a book out of this. And I was like, okay, yes, I love that. Uh-huh. And like, it only took a week before I was like, oh my gosh, who am I to write a recipe book when I've really never followed a recipe my entire life. <laughs> and I can't write one for anything. I just yeah. throw a bit just, of that. I yeah. throw a little bit of here and you make something. And then I realized that's, I've never followed a recipe for anything. And I've started to see these parallels that I've learned through athletics and through food and through mm. sports and business and life. And I'm paralleling them to what, and to the kitchen and mm. like boiling it down. So people understand that there really isn't a recipe for life. I think too often, like we compare ourselves to other people and we're like, but this is the way I'm supposed to do it. And it's like, uh. it's really not. And you're not going to feel rewarded by doing it that way. Yes. You're going to be confused and you need to just, take ownership of doing it your way and stop looking for a recipe for it. And so that's the whole premise of my book is like really empower people to do that. I, I tell you uh, two things. One, my daughter is, I'm going to make sure she listens to this. Maybe we'll go on a long road trip where she can't, get out of the car unless she listens to what I'm going to share with her. Cause well, she I needs would love to, hear to talk to her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Secondly, um, everything that we're taught in school from day one is linear. You mm-hmm. go to kindergarten, you get good grades, you take these classes, you go to middle school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You go to college, et cetera. And then your life is happy. That is a linear mm-hmm. pathway that we have told kids for 40 years. It's not true. It's not true yeah. now more than it's ever been not true. Uh, and so what you're describing is exactly that. There is no recipe. Mm-hmm. You got to figure it out. Yeah. And why are we going and doing that for the first 18 years of their life for them just to be thrown and confused after yes. that and be yes. like, wait, you're telling me that like, I don't just show up and get to the next step. Right. Like, no, you battle confusion, yes. you battle uncertainty, fatigue, yeah. um, you know, challenges. In, yeah. in, and it's not a linear thing at all. And I think that's what, and if you want to like compare that to writing a book, I mean, that's every day. And as you know, this, like writing a book, you're like, okay, why did I sign up for this again? It's like, <laughs> exactly. oh yeah. Cause yeah. I was crazy enough to think of something that I believe to be so true that I need to share this to the world. Yeah. And, yeah. um, it takes a lot of work and I, it's not easy. So I love that. I, I love, so, so is the book then helping individuals learn how to be comfortable in that space where there is no game mm-hmm. plan you have to figure yeah. out? Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I am tying in a lot of my experiences in food business, Mm -hmm. um, food system work, understanding nutrition, community health. Like I Mm. want to embed those in because I, because health is incredibly important to me and is like a fundamental of my life, just the active life that I live. And it's how I look at a lot of things, but it's because this is, this was also my problem with being a coach was that people would come to me and be like, what do I need to do to fix this? And it's like, Oh, like it starts here. Like, it's not like I can give you a meal plan and like right. it's, it's fixed. Right. Like this is your approach and your mentality. Like it's up here. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's not easy. Like people don't want that answer. Right. <laughs> they want, they want but, the template for them well, and like, there is no template. Again. Yeah. You know, we have these conversations with parents uh, where the child says, 
mom, what should I do? Or teacher, what should I study today? Mm-hmm. And your point is, once you leave those um, those foreign walls of a school, mm-hmm. there is no game plan. You, you have to figure it out. And so the earlier you start to learn how to do that, the better you'll be when you do leave school. And now you have yep. to start a business. Uh, you have to learn about things that, that your boss is not telling you to learn about. The boss is saying, hey, I need you to get this done. And now you got to figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. So th- that, is a, that is a great shifting of, of uh, a reframing of learning uh, from a mm-hmm. tem- template to uh, to an un what did you call it again the unfood oh, the new the non recipe oh, book the non recipe book yeah. so and and here's another thing like I think the pandemic has been so amazing for that for kids to start to create their own. and I'm sure you've talked about this a lot with oh, people yeah. oh yeah um I've seen it just like in my friends that have kids and they're like all right well my kid wants to ride his bike and I'm like this is so awesome. Like maybe he'll be motivated to get all of his work done. And so he can go ride his bike. That's what I do. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that's by the way, so you may not know, but we, uh, we hybrid schooled our kids for the majority of their experience. So they were in school two days a week uh, at a traditionally structured school. And then at home three days a week. And on those home days, they knew that if they could get their work done by noon, they were done. And, and it was a lot of work. And so they learned how to, schedule themselves and to discipline themselves and uh and 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 then enjoy their time afterwards it it was it created a an independent learner and so what you're saying is just like you described you can go in and look in a cupboard and know how to make a meal just like a an independent learner can walk into any situation and figure out how to be successful in that environment without a template i i and i absolutely love that and and if i could so that is my approach. Now, if you think about like traditional schooling mm. is very similar to traditional nine to five work where mm. you just passively sit there and stare at something. You don't use your braid and you're like, well, I might have finished my work, but like I'm just like ticking away until right. the clock strikes five. Like, where are you actually applying yourself in that situation at right. all? Right. Um, whereas your kids are like they're constantly like, all right. If I get this done, if I can do this, if we can do this, then I get to have this part of my day. And like, that is so exciting for them that they can have that experience. And also just let's be clear, those jobs that were um, commonplace when I was growing up and certainly in my parents' age where you went in and you you punched your clock, Mm -hmm. your time time card, and then you did whatever you did. Those jobs are going away. Right. What's being replaced with are people who are able to go into a job and 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 find problems and solve them, uh, and then tell the boss, "Here's the problem I just solved," rather than waiting. So it's a complete mindset shift. I love it. When is this book going to be available? I mean, oh, it'll so end of the year, winter 2021, yeah. uh, which is wild to think that's going to be done in know, about nine I months. Know, I know, but it's going to happen. It is going to happen. It's so cool seeing everyone's projects coming together, including yours. And I'm just so excited for not just the progress that I've made, but I'm so energized by seeing the progress other people are making with this because that that fuels me. Amen to that. Amen to that. All right. So again, the the non-recipe book is coming out in December. This is Amanda Press Graves. <laughs> I said it right. You got it. Um, uh, wonderful story. I love to connect with you, and I hope that your story helps a few parents and maybe a few learners, like my daughter potentially, realize that this game of education is not linear. It is not. There's no recipe to it. 
uh, you figure it out and to do and you do the best you can with some tools that we hopefully will get in your non-recipe book. So we're looking forward to seeing that. Maybe we can have you back on the show when it's released. I would love that. I would love that. All right. Amanda, great to meet you or to see you again. And uh, when we're out in Virginia next time, we may we may do a road trip and swing by and say hello. Please. Let's go on a quick run. Good deal. All right. Take care, Amanda. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Uh, so Amanda is, um, first off, I really am going to have my daughter listen to this show because there's so much overlap between Amanda's story and my daughter's, um, from, from her needing to figure it out. My daughter's trying to figure it out right now. Um, but also that, that, the idea that, um, that the, the things that people, uh, the labels that people put onto Amanda, were labels that she realizes now, and maybe even back then, that those were actually strengths. And now as an adult, she's able to take those strengths and do something with them. I would love for every kid who has been labeled ADHD to be able to grow up in an environment where those same attributes could be listed as strengths. Maybe it's in sports. Maybe it's in creativity. Maybe it's in looking at the world differently. Um, and, And I will go back to this idea that I believe increasingly after talking to lots of families after being in a lot of uh, educational governance conversations that the weird kids are the kids that can sit in a typical classroom for seven hours a day or sit on a zoom call for five and a half hours a day as some of the families i've talked to are doing that's unusual that's weird i can't do that and i'm 49 years old so this is how the education game is shifting Uh, I'm so glad you joined us today. More to come on the education game. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, parents. I hope that this was useful, that it started to give you a bit more of an indication of how learning is shifting and and the things that you as a parent need to be upskilled about. That's what we're about here in the education game. So we're thankful that you were here. Again, hopefully it was helpful to you. Remember, you can call us to ask us questions free of charge about your family and your child's educational plan and learning journey, uh, go to our website at theeducationgame.com slash contact. Click on the button there and schedule a time for us to have a conversation, free of charge, completely free of charge, and it's just a service that we provide. It's underwritten by supporters, so thank you for those supporters as well. Hope this was helpful. Looking forward to seeing you next time on the Education Game Podcast. Take care. Take care.